Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. All right, welcome to the 51st episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we have an episode about not settling as an older job seeker. How do you define older? Well, it's entirely up to you as to what you define as old, and this even may be influenced by your industry or what positions you're applying for. I once worked with a job seeker applying for entry-level tech positions who said he was having trouble with discrimination, and the man was in his 30s. So I specifically don't want to isolate anyone here by focusing on an age group. The intended purpose of this episode is to serve those who feel like they run the risk of being undervalued as they age and gain more experience. Let's also talk about what it means to not settle. In this context, I mean two things. Number one, not choosing jobs that undervalue you as a professional. The second thing I mean, not allowing yourself to shortchange your potential in your job search, being the best version of yourself. That's a really important thing that's important to this podcast and something I just wanted to make sure we discuss. Today, I brought on Dave Watts, who specializes in job strategies for older workers to find meaningful employment. He's the host of the Redundancy Podcast, which has a solid listener base all over the world, including the US, Australia, Japan, and the UK. He's helped many people in this area, and I could not have picked a better person to come and do a show like this. So let's make your life even more fulfilling with our 51st episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Dave, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing? Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm doing very well indeed. Thank you very much. Fantastic. And uh, we'll ask listeners who thinks um, they have the better podcasting voice at the end of this, but I think you may have (laughs) me up by one. (laughs) Well, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Perfect. So I want to launch into it. Why do you think it's so hard for people to get a job as they age? I think it's a case of both you and them. And let's take them first. From my experience, HR and recruiters are conflating potential with youthfulness, if I could put it like that. Sure. And what they do is they assume that potential and performance share a sort of a natural negative correlation with age. Sure. For example, uh, older people will find it more difficult to relate to younger workers or have a younger boss. They may have an ability to relate to others from different ethnic backgrounds They might be less energetic or have more time off for sickness, for example. They may be slower, reluctant to learn or less flexible to change. They're out of touch with industry trends or they have a poor grasp of current technology. Now, there's no evidence for this as far as I could tell to support these stereotypes. Sure. In fact, all the evidence suggests the opposite is true. But nonetheless, there are these stereotypes amongst recruiters and the HR uh, supporters of them. It's tough. And... Uh, We're going to cover discrimination as an older job seeker and how to actually deal with it using some strategy. Um, But I, I have to kind of ask on the, on the job seekers end, what do you think that the biggest mistake that older job seekers are making with their job search? If you take down the job searching as an individual basis, you might imagine that for an older worker, they may no longer have the power and authority they had when they're applying for a role. They're likely to be lower down in the hierarchy There might be some bitterness or condescension on show without them even realising it. You might even be showing some resentment that with all your skills and experience and the years you've had, here you are having to apply for this role 
talking to a younger person. But I think the biggest mistake they make yeah. is they just don't have a plan. That's That's got to be it. Not having a plan has to be one of the worst things you can do in general as a job seeker. I think that's true. And I think that crosses all age boundaries. Now, I understand a lot of older workers may not have had to apply for a job for many, many years. For example, I was working with a group yesterday and one of the guys there in his mid-50s says, well, I've never applied for a job. I started in this company in, in England and I've been there all my life. I wouldn't know what to do if I had to apply for another job. And he's talking about an organisation that's in financial trouble and looking at a potential redundancy in 12 months' time. So that would put him in a difficult position. But if you don't have those skills, if you don't even have a plan, you are going to be thrashing out and really not working in a, a directed manner. Exactly. So first of all, how long does it take to formulate a plan? Is this something that's going to be like a whole uh, two-week process or how, how long should it really take? I did a podcast with a, an older job seeker who was out of work for four months, five months before he got another job. And he told me during the podcast he'd spent good three or four weeks working on the plan once he'd finished his current position. But because he knew the position was coming to an end, had worked on it for four or five weeks beforehand. So in total, he was looking at it over a three or four month period. And when he came out, he knew exactly what he was going to do, where he was going to apply for and how he was going to do it. So I take that as a sort of a good example. By the time you build up your experience, develop your skills, work out where you're going to target, three to four months is probably a good period in which you're going to have to work. Thanks for bringing that up. And I want to move and transition into the heart of the podcast, which is some strategies that people can employ, like starting right now, on how to move and land their dream job. But let's talk about discrimination, since this seems to be a really tough thing that a lot of experienced job seekers get as they age. First of all, how big of a problem is it in uh, this is a tough one, but when do you really think discrimination starts? Well, that's that's a difficult one. Yeah. I think I think you can be discriminated against at any point. You're too young, you're too old, you're the wrong gender, you've got too much experience, you've got too little experience. That can start off from a graduate leaving university right up to your uh, your 60s or even 70s. Mm. So I think that that's a difficult one to answer. And I would have said about 18 months ago when you're in your 50s and 60s, but most more recently I've been speaking to people in their mid-40s who are saying, I'm being discriminated in my job. I know it is. They're asking me questions. I'm not getting the opportunities in my organisation that I used to have. And in one particular example, a very good acquaintance of mine who's in his early 50s, who's worked for the same multinational international company all his life, And he's done what many of us do. He's given many, many hours at the expense of his family, travelled, been away for weeks on end, suddenly found at 51 that they were suggesting that he really might like to leave because they didn't say the O word, the old word, but that's what was implied. Uh, And there he is. I've given 30-odd years to this company, and they're saying go and go now, and we'll we'll do it a deal to make it easy, but if you want to do it the hard way, we can do that as well. That's so it's it's it's, it's really frustrating. One. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's unreal. And what do you think some signs were that they were wanting to let him go is because of his age? Do people get paranoid, was, too? That's that, that was my other question. They do. I think a lot of it is justified as well. Mm-hmm. How did he know? He found, as all employees do, that suddenly you're not the youngest in the room, that you're now the middle aged one in the room. 
and then you find you're one of the oldest in the room. Sure. And as you go through life, that's going to happen. And he found that in an organization where he'd been one of the young Turks. Now he found that he was the eldest in the room by some margin and that his line manager was upwards of 20 years younger than him. So there are signs there that perhaps your opportunities are beginning to to come to an end. And he wasn't getting the interviews and he wasn't getting the the, uh, callbacks to internal jobs as well. And effectively, he found it being sidelined, I think. Okay. And I think you're beginning to recognise a number of signs at that point that things just aren't working. Okay. So it's almost something that you could, I'm sure you could feel it if you're in the actual situation. It's like, whether it's on a conscious or subconscious level, people are, you're feeling a little bit more um, outcasted. You know, I, I don't want to paint the picture that all companies out there are doing this. Maybe they are, but um, there definitely are some cultures out there that are not respectful of this age and not respectful of experience because we live in a culture of youth and that's what everyone seems to be prizing it's it's tough and it you kind of battle with the questions like are are we trying to battle age discrimination itself or are we trying to battle the companies that do age discriminate so why would he why would you even want to work for a company that has this this type of culture you know that's exactly so And when do you recognise that the culture that you've been part of and that you've grown up with is a culture that's turning on you? Mm -hmm. And and age discrimination is a real problem. Now, most organisations are clever enough not to be overt about it because (laughs) the law says you can't say certain things, you can't do certain things. Mind you, the law says that cars can't travel faster than 30 miles an hour on the road outside my house, but they do. So we know they're ignored. And... And we know there are many ways that organisations can find ways to sideline you without making it constructive dismissal or just make it difficult for you or make it obvious without actually breaking the law. Okay. What's something you recommend for job seekers who feel like, uh, let's talk specifically about the job search, not like if you're in the company, but say you are in the job search, you're applying for jobs what are some strategies and battle techniques for these people to avoid age discrimination or even fight it? Well, I think the key part of the process is the resume. And I think it's the sort of the work you do because that's the first opportunity that companies who have to filter you out through some sort of electronic or paper sift. You've got to be able to present a relevant resume now that's going to get you into an interview because I think that's the purpose of a resume is to get you to an interview. And the purpose of the interview is clearly to get you a job. And one of the mistakes I think older workers make is either they haven't had to apply for a long time or their resume is now inappropriate for the digital age. And they have to find a way of dealing with that within their resume. And I think there are a number of things they can do there. You can lose dates. You can mm. not put in your date of birth. I mean, I'm, you know this. I'm, I don't mean to tell you how to suck, suck eggs. I want to hear though. But, like this is <laughs> this is how I've been able to. This is how I've been able to help people get more successful. Is like I will ask, what are the best practices, and 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 um, I'm I, I want to know. I want to know from you. You've got to get to the interview. If you don't get to the interview, you're not even going to get a chance. Mm. So you've got to understand there are new rules. It's not a mom and pop job market anymore. No. It's not like how I started applying for jobs with a typewriter, typing it out and sending it off in the mail. Wow. And knowing that it was such hard work, you had to put so much into it that you only applied for jobs that you really, really wanted. And that meant that most other people only applied for jobs that really, really wanted. 
and I suspect that a lot of organizations had relatively few applications which they could actually read through. Now it's one click and off goes the resume. And they're being filtered out. I think it's understanding that element of it. You've got to think about the language you're using in that resume. It's no good going on about you're a guru in Lotus 1, 2, 3. And did I tell you about how good I am with my Palm Pilot and my BlackBerry and all that sort of stuff? Because language has changed. Referring to Microsoft Office for Windows and I'm skilled at using Microsoft 3.2 is just not going to cut the mustard anymore. So there's a language element of it. There's the date element of it when you graduated, what you graduated in. It's focusing on your key skills and experience and demonstrating what you did and the value they bring to an organisation and failing to make the point about your relevance to an organisation. If you employ me, I can bring this value to you. And I think all of those things have got to be knitted and raveled together correctly and properly into an effective resume. And I think a lot of people just don't have those skills. Do you believe in the principle of dumbing down your resume, you know, whether that's from an accomplishment standpoint or just from the standpoint of trying to be a little bit more simple when it comes to showcasing your accomplishments and, and what you did in your career, Dave? I think I, I go towards the latter. I think you've always got to be honest in your resume because you can get caught out easily, particularly if your LinkedIn profile is not as explicit as your your resume. And I know, because I have these qualifications myself, I know there is a temptation to sort of say, look at everything I've got, but it frightens potential employers. And I think the the purpose of the resume, again, is to get you to an interview. And after that, it's a whole different game. It's down to you and it's down to them. But that means I would be tempted to adapt and evolve my resume for each individual job. And particularly if you're an older worker and you're saying, right, I am going to take a bit of a a backstop. Now, I'm not going to look for those CEO positions anymore. I exaggerate to make a point, of course. I'm not going to look for those sort of jobs. I've done my management jobs. I've done all those hours. I want to do something where I can use my business skills. Sure. I think you have to always show relevance for the particular job that you're going for. And if that means leaving out some items, then I think that's appropriate. You can always discuss it later. You can always discuss it in an interview and talk about the skills that you can bring and the things that you have put in, but you don't want to frighten people off. I love that, Dave. And um, it's really tough, I would say. And even people who don't have as much experience, it's, um, it's tough to kill off some of the things, especially if there were passion projects that you've done you know 15 years ago and i i once had a client who he worked on the set of a um, an amazing film and um i don't know if i can tell what it is so i'll keep it private um but it was one of those things that we were struggling we we didn't know if we were going to put it on the resume but it just it, it goes back to relevance and it was relevant for the position he was applying for we so we did decide to keep it but and I'll tell you, just because it's a cool movie that you know has a lot of recognition doesn't mean that it's something that should be on the resume because you have to look about where you're applying. I think that's true. I was talking to someone yesterday after the work that I've been doing, and he'd just completed a PhD. It was something that he'd wanted to do all his life, and he's in his mid-60s and thought, I'm giving up my job. It was a senior manager job, but that's what I'm going to do. And we were talking about the challenges of finding a work 
in your mm-hmm. 50s and 60s. And I asked him about the relevance. And he said, I won't put it in if it's not relevant, because who's going to be interested? I can't recall what his PhD is in now, but something academic and very scholarly. But he said it wouldn't be relevant for the job. And all it would do is put people off. So sure. no, it was, it was for my benefit. It was to see whether I could do it. But whether it's relevant for a job, I doubt it. Sure. I know we both had a common podcast guest, Robert Moment. That's one thing he said, and it's coming back. It's it's the fact that we need to be looking at the perspective of the hiring decision maker, not just thinking about me, 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 thinking about ourselves. But that's probably one of my favorite principles in this whole career job-seeking world. So thanks for bringing that up. I want to ask, um, you had a really, I saw this episode you had on your podcast. It involved a I think it was a senior manager who was just laid off. Um, and I, I think you said he was having trouble with settling and not knowing whether or not a position was right for him. But um, I don't know if you can impart some some knowledge when it comes to that. But how are you finding folks like this can best get the job that they really want? You've got to ask yourself some hard questions about what you want. And that particular individual had asked himself some hard questions He was asking questions about, do I still want to do those sort of commutes? Do I still want to put in those sort of hours that I used to do? What else do I want to get out of a job? Do I want to get just, am I just after the money? Or do I want to do something more fulfilling and satisfaction? And those are sort of things you then have to start asking. Because as you go through life, your requirements from a job change. When you're young, you're looking to make money. You're looking to progress up through an organization. When you're older, you may not want that anymore. You might want different things out of your life. And so you've got to ask yourself some pretty tough things like, well, what is it you want to do and where do you want to work? How much discomfort are you prepared to put up with to secure a new job? Do you want to have a long kin mute? Would it be so bad if you couldn't find another role? I mean, really, if you if you did out of work, would you have an occupational pension? And all of those sort of questions, I think, you have to come back to what is it you're going to have and what is it you're prepared to put up with? And he did that, and he did that as part of his plan, which is why it was so important, because that enabled him to focus in and target those organizations that he thought could match his requirements. Because working in a job that you don't like, working in a job which is joyless, is a lonely place. Yeah. And so just by the very nature of having standards, having boundaries and and these types of values, which I'm sure yield being targeted... So this this was able to help him. This was like the one key factor that helped him get that job. Yes, because he did say uh, he could have taken a much higher paying job, but it would have meant relocating to another part of the UK. There would have been considerable cost. His family was largely based down in the south of the UK. It would have meant a lot more hours and so on and so on. And he didn't want that. He didn't want that hassle. He didn't want that aggravation anymore. (laughs) Wow, I love that, Dave. You're the reason why this podcast does its thing it's we're all about not settling we're all about like getting what you deserve not undervaluing yourself so thank you for that answer yeah, it's a pleasure i've got to ask uh, before we move into your closing thoughts here and how we can find out more about you but let's talk about this i've done all i can do to get a good job mindset and this is one thing you also called out i think it was either in your blog or your podcast but i've heard that time and time again by frustrated job seekers who are just really struggling in their job search they've been rejected over and over again Um, they feel like it's it's a really tough time for them but this i've done all i can do to get a good job mindset how can people 
A, get over this, but just flip the mentality upside down so they can actually get that job they want. I've no doubt you've come across action learning sets in the past. And and this is something that was developed in the 1960s and is fairly common in a lot of organizations. It's basically where a small number of people from a wide business sector and often the public sector get the opportunity to really talk about a business-related problem. But what they do is you set a challenge. But that challenge is not to find an instant solution. And you'll have come across the word being a satisficer. And basically, Mm. that means taking the first solution that meets your needs that you come across rather than an optimal solution. So an action learning set forces you to ask lots of questions and keep on asking it's, it's almost like a root cause analysis. Why, 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 why? What am I doing? And an action learning set working with independent individuals is not about finding solutions necessarily. It's getting them to ask all these questions of you. And I think if you can find a like number of friends or colleagues or people around you that will ask you those tough questions, then I think you can look inside yourself and help you develop an, a strategy. And if I take a, an example that, um, for me, I'd, I've asked that similar question in sure. the past. I thought I was pretty sophisticated, knew what to do, knew the market, and yet, going through an actual learning set and going through working with these five or six people, I realized that in terms of my digital online search and my digital brand was suboptimal. And I had to do some more work on my LinkedIn profile. I love your LinkedIn profile, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. And that's a direct result of the actual learning set. Because the, the guys I was with, who were, uh, I don't know whether it's relevant, a lot longer with me, are saying, you have to get that right. It's not talking about you. It's not talking about your skills. This is what you need to do. And there I'm sitting there thinking, but I thought I knew this, but I didn't. And I took that on board. And they were right, because they pushed me for 25 minutes to talk about my challenge, which is job seeking, to talk about the things I've been doing, but not to go to the solution. And that's the important bit. Push, push, push for the understanding first. And then perhaps in the last five or ten minutes, suggest things that you might actually want to do and the things that you might want to change. So I changed my banner. I altered my LinkedIn URL. I altered my profile. I've posted and written articles. I've changed yes. pictures and I've added commentary. I've yeah. started working on a YouTube channel. All of that yes. they suggested I do. That is amazing and probably my favorite thing I've heard today. And I've liked all of it so far. But this especially because this appeals to my curious mindset. This appeals to my thirst or hunger for the truth and answers. And and um, it's it's very analytical. And it's also, like, like I said, going back to it, humility and understanding that, um, first of all, it's not you as a person. It's not like no one's perfect, first of all. And also the fact that just because someone is not accepting you for a job doesn't mean that it's you personally. They're not, you know, they're not knocking on your personality or your spirit or your soul or your humanity. You know, really, it's just probably a job search strategy thing or something that you can do to to fix that. So mm-hmm. probably the best thing that we can wrap up with here. And I appreciate that. So uh, before we go and hear a little bit more about you. Do you have any final words of advice for job seekers who are a little bit more wiser, experienced, and older? What would that piece of advice be? I'd wrap it up, I think, into three elements. And it's going back to have a plan. 
don't be a satisficer taking the first available solution. Find the optimal one. Plan, adapt, evolve and change. And if you, as we've just discussed, if you think you're doing everything you can to find a job, you're almost certainly not. Keep yourself relevant. You've got to update, renew and refresh your skills and learn new ones. Remain, and I love your phrase, you've got to remain professionally curious and keep that sense of lifelong learning. And my final element is never, ever give up. Well, David Watts, you've been a fantastic guest here. How can we find out more about you? And let's let's just hear about your podcast. I'm, I'm excited to uh, get into that myself. Well, the podcast came about because, uh, unfortunately, during my career, it's a bit like snakes and ladders. I have been made redundant six times now. For the first five times, I was able to get back to a reasonably senior position relatively quickly. But the sixth time, when I was made redundant in my early 60s, it became much more difficult. And that's where I started thinking, well, I'm going to share the challenges about what I've learned and what went well, and also the mistakes I've made with as many people as I can, because I'm sure that a lot of other people are in the same boat as I am. And it seems to be because I have an international audience. And as you said at the beginning, I've got people listening to me from South America across to the the Far East. So it's clearly international. But if people want to get hold of me, they can get hold of me via my LinkedIn profile or via my Twitter account at RedundancyPCast or via my blog, Coping with Redundancy in Your 50s and 60s. But I'd love to hear from them. I'd love to hear their stories. And I'd love to hear from people who've been successful despite all of the problems and the trials and tribulations in finding a new job as they get older and to share it with others. Perfect. And as I always do, I will drop the links of those items at the bottom of the description. So if anyone's um, driving or anything like that, they can just come home, park, and then pull up those links um, on the iTunes or whatever platform they're listening to. So that's perfect. Uh, Anything else you'd like to add, Dave? It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Mm-hmm. Can we please not have a vote on who's got the best podcast <laughs> vote? <laughs> a voice it, it, rather. It, it's just different, though. It's um, you and I have. Um, okay, so you have the the wonderful English accent, and I don't know what my accent is. Maybe you can tell me, but <laughs> it's just different. And I think the contrast in our voices um, is it's a nice compliment to each other, and I think it sounds good. So. Yes, it does. I think that's worked very well. And I do appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you. Thank you very much. All right, Dave, you take care. And this wraps up the 51st episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Such a pleasure to have you all listening to us and can't thank you enough for your loyalty and support. Make sure to share us a friendly review. Let us know what you thought about this episode. And we can't wait to see you next time. And for more on your job search, make sure to check out letseatgrandma.com. That's where you can find our blog, where we post the podcast show notes and so many more articles that will help you in your job search. You can also check out our resume services if you are interested in getting your resume professionally reworked. And please make sure to show us some love by jumping onto iTunes and leaving us a rating. The support from my fellow warriors will show the world how great this podcast is and help other people in their job search pay it forward. Thanks guys for being true warriors and thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week.